Thank you for joining us once again at Intersections Podcast. Today we find ourselves back in first century Israel as observers of the most important event in history, the coming of the one who would set us all free from sin. This week, Sean takes us in the little town of Bethlehem. Who would have thought that this town, barely a dot on the map, would be home to the greatest bird ever? And yet, as we will learn, there wasn't the fanfare you see when celebrity child is born into the world. Like seriously, when Jay-Z and Beyonce had Blue Ivy, or Kim and Kanye West had North, they got more attention than they ever wanted. But here comes the savior, and all he gets is was it equivalent to a barn? Crazy, seriously crazy. But as we will hear, God's plans are so much bigger than ours. And even without the fanfare, they change everything. Let's listen. Our current sermon series, Christmas Villages, we're visiting the places where one of the most important and significant events ever to have taken place in history unfolded. We opened our series last week on, in Hebron. This is the place where Mary learned that her older cousin Elizabeth, who had spent her entire life barren, was now pregnant. This news confirmed in Mary's mind that what the angel Gabriel said to her was absolutely true. Nothing is impossible for God. If God could bring life from a barren woman, then Mary knew in that moment that he certainly could bring life from even her, a virgin. And as we spent time in Hebron, it reminded us that the same is true today, that God hasn't stopped doing what is impossible to do. He can do the very thing that you've given up on in your life as well. Well, today, our journey takes us to the place that's probably most synonymous with Christmas. When you think about Christmas, what places come to mind? For most of us, I imagine it's the place that we grew up. For other people, though, they think about New York City. I was reminded of this over the Thanksgiving holidays. I listened to some of my relatives talk about being in New York City for Christmas. They said it's a magical place to be, that there's nothing like being there to see the huge Christmas tree in the middle of Rockefeller Center. Now, even though I've never been to New York City, it is a place that often comes to my mind when I think about Christmas because it is the setting for one of my very favorite Christmas movies, Elf. To see Buddy the Elf jump up and down with excitement at the news that Santa is coming, it is the best. Of course, another place that comes to mind for many people is the town Bedford Falls. Are you familiar with Bedford Falls? It is the setting for probably the most famous Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I have a friend who loves that movie so much that every Christmas he sets up a Christmas village in his living room that displays one of the buildings from Bedford Falls. Of course, the place that is probably most synonymous with Christmas is the place where our Savior Jesus was born, Bethlehem. Let's pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Cornarius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. But we are so familiar with this story that I'm afraid that oftentimes we miss, miss the punch contained in this story. One would expect that the birth of the creator of the universe, the one who holds all things together, the king of all kings, would have taken place in the poshest environment with all the fanfare that this type of birth deserved. I mean, for thousands and thousands of years, the people of God had been waiting for the long-anticipated Messiah to arrive, and the time had finally come. God himself took on flesh and entered into the world to rescue his people. This was huge. This was the main event of all events in history. Uh, one would expect this event to be shouted from the rooftops, for every world dignitary to be present, for this to be the headline on the front page of the Jerusalem Times. I know if I was God, I would have made sure that when Jesus was born, that he would have been born in the biggest palace surrounded by the best doctors with the paparazzi all around so that they could snap photos and get it out to the public as quickly as possible, that the Messiah had arrived. But I'm not God, and neither are you. Instead, Jesus was born in the very place that animals were kept, and he was laid in a feeding trough. There wasn't a whole lot of fanfare. There's just Joseph and Mary, these, these two God-fearing Jewish kids who most likely felt like they were in way over their heads and probably wishing they could have provided something a little bit better for their newborn child. This definitely wasn't the plan that Joseph and Mary had for bringing God's Son into the world. Every time I read this part of the story, I'm reminded that God's ways, His plans and purposes, they don't always make a lot of sense to me. But at the same time, God's always in control and He's always working out His plan. Too often I get caught up in the moment. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on right here, right now. I'm trying to make sense of it and explain it, and I want explanation if it doesn't make sense to me. And, and I think in a lot of ways God's saying, just trust me, I've got it. I'm moving forward with my plan, not your plan, because that's the one that matters. Let me describe it to you this way. In so many ways, it's as if we are playing checkers and God's playing chess. You know the difference between the two games, even if you don't play the games. That checkers, it's a pretty simple game. It doesn't involve a whole lot of strategy. Now, for those of you who love checkers, don't be offended. I get it. There is some strategy involved, but not compared to chess. From what I understand, chess, it's a very complex game. It involves a lot of strategic thinking. In fact, your very first move, from what I've been told, can determine in some way or to some degree whether or not you win or lose a hundred moves later. To win at chess, to be good at chess, you have to be very strategic and very intentional with every one of your moves. And in so many ways, this is what God's doing. He's always intentional. He's always strategic. He's got this big picture in mind, this grand story that he's working out and that he's telling, and every little move is moving towards that end, even when it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. 
For instance, one would have never guessed that the birth of Jesus would have taken place in a stable in this small village known as Bethlehem. Nobody would have ever guessed it unless they were paying attention. You see, this wasn't just some fluke. It wasn't one of those baby got born in the backseat of an Ubers because someone didn't plan well enough type of stories. This was God's plan. It was a plan that Micah spoke about some 700 years before the birth announcements went out, into the, went out in the mail. We read his prophecy in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times." In Micah's prophecy, God ruled out every other location, every other city, every other town, every other village as a possibility. Jesus would not be born in the capital city of Jerusalem, nor would he be born in Joseph and Mary's hometown of Nazareth. Both of those places would have been logical choices, but that's not where Jesus was going to be born. Instead, he would be born in a small village outside of Jerusalem. And what led to Bethlehem, what happened in Bethlehem, were not afterthoughts in the mind of God. They were beforethoughts. He knew this was the place that Joseph and Mary would have to be when it was time for Jesus to come into the world. He understood that they would have to take a journey at a less than ideal time, only to face the frustration of hearing, sorry, no room for you at every inn they visited. He knew and he provided. He provided a long but safe journey to Bethlehem. He provided a... Un... Uh, how would I say it, a less than ideal birthing room, but one that was out of the elements. And he provided the joy of welcoming a healthy baby boy into the world. Joseph and Mary, called by God, trusted in God to work out all of the details, and he did. And this morning, you can trust that God will do the same in your life as well. Why? Because God knows you. He knows you. He, he has known you before you were even a twinkle in the eye of your father and mother. Listen to the words that we read in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5. Now, to be fair to context, I need to mention that these words are written specifically about the prophet Jeremiah, but no doubt they could easily be spoken about each one of us. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God knew what he wanted for Jeremiah, and he knows what he desires for you, and he is working to bring those things about. God not only knows you, but God cares about you. He cares about you so much that he tunes into every minute detail in your life. This is the point that Jesus is making when he shares these words in Luke chapter 12 and verse 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Now listen, as much as I love and I care about my boys, not once have I taken the time to count every one of the hairs on their head. But God counts ours. And isn't that amazing? I mean, doesn't that fill you with a desire to know more of the one who knows 
everything about you? I hope so. More importantly, God hopes so. You see, God so desires a relationship with you, regardless of where you've been or what you've done. He so desires this relationship with you that Jesus, the creator of the universe, he entered into this world taking on the very nature of a mere vulnerable baby so that you might know God. God knows you and he cares about you. And please know this, you can count on this, God is always working for your good. Even in, especially in, you face those sorry, no room for you disappointments that take place in life. And they happen often, don't they? But even in those moments when we're so disappointed, God's working out his good for our lives. We're reminded of this by Paul in, in a passage that's a favorite for so many of us. Romans chapter 8, and verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, but that's not the reason that Joseph and Mary went to Bethlehem. They went to Bethlehem because they had to period. That's it. The Roman government dictated that every single person had to go back to their hometown for a census that was to be taken. There's no getting out of this. Not even for an expectant mother who was going to bring the long-anticipated Messiah into the world. Now, I imagine this is the last journey that Mary wanted to take, but she had no choice in the matter. And if she was like most every other expectant mother, I believe her overwhelming desire was to be back home in Nazareth before Jesus actually arrived. But it did not work out that way. Instead, on that night so many years ago, in this small little stable, this tiny little village named Bethlehem, Mary's water broke. And when it did, I imagine there was a 20-foot wave of fear and disappointment that crashed hard on Joseph and Mary. Whatever it was that they felt in that particular moment, it was all right. Because the God that knew this is what was going to happen long before it ever happened was with them. Have you ever had one of those moments in life? A moment when life didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. Have you ever found yourself in a situation in which you were in a place that you never thought you would be? Sure you have. We, we all have. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are planners? I mean, you love to plan. You love to plan tomorrow. You love to plan next month. You love to plan the next 10 years of your life. Well, if you are, let me give you something to put in your plan. Are you ready? Here it is. You can plan that your plan is probably not going to work out the way you have it worked out in your mind. Now, that's not always true. Sometimes it does. Sometimes we're in the exact place doing exactly what we want to do with the people that we want to do it with. But there are so many twists and turns in life that oftentimes we find ourselves in situations having to deal with people and events that we find less than ideal. When you find yourself in that situation, please remember this truth. That one of the ways that God works out his good for us is that he plans ahead. You see, God's not surprised. 
God's not having to adjust on the fly because he didn't see it coming. God is never going to say, wow, this is a shock. Who knew this was going to happen this way? That's not going to take place. You know that, that train that seemed to come out of nowhere and just run you over and leave you flattened? God saw that train before it ever left the station. And not only did he see it coming, he began to work immediately for his plans and his purposes to prevail in that particular moment. Let me share with you just one example of how I have seen this play out in my life. Four years ago, an event occurred in my life that I did not plan. Uh, In fact, if you would have told me at the age of 22 what my life would look like at the age of 47 when this event took place, I would have told you, you are absolutely nuts. No way, no how. But God saw it coming. Now, was he responsible for this event? Absolutely not. Did he want this to happen? No. But he saw it coming. And not only did he see it coming, but he planned for it. And one of the ways I believe that he planned for this is that he made sure that I was in Naperville, Illinois, during this season of my life. Now, there were days that I questioned, why am I in Naperville, Illinois? Especially in the cold, gray, long winter months, I would ask that question. But looking back, I really believe that I spent eight years in that location because God had been working way beforehand to bring about his good and his purposes in my life in that particular moment. There's so many examples I can give you as to why I believe that to be true, but I'll share with you one. When our family moved into that area, my oldest son, Turner, made friends with a neighborhood kid by the name of Adam Perkins. Adam spent a lot of time in our home. I got to know Adam really well. I didn't know his parents very well, though, for a number of years. Bob and Michelle, we'd see each other from time to time. We'd share conversations with, with each other, but we really didn't know each other. All of that changed, though, in the fall of 2016. That's when Bob and Michelle began attending services at the Naperville Church. And that from that moment forward, they were a huge encouragement. In fact, not a holiday passed without them inviting me to spend the holidays in their home, even though I only took them up on it one time. Michelle, every time she saw my boys, she would force them to give her a hug. To this day, Bob and Michelle send a care package to my college-age sons periodically. Now listen, I don't even do that. You see, God knew that I would need Bob and Michelle in my life long before I did. And he knew that my boys would need them as well. In the same way that God knew that a census would be taken at this particular moment in history that would force Joseph and Mary to make a journey that they really didn't want to make to Bethlehem, God knows about the Bethlehem moments in your life. He's never surprised by world events, not even covid He's not surprised by the personal choices that we make that land us in situations dealing with people and events that we find less than ideal or or difficult. No doubt, because of the circumstances of life, some of you, this very moment, you find yourself in a situation that is inconvenient, maybe even really, really difficult. Well, one of the reasons we spent time in Bethlehem this morning is so that we might be reminded 
one of the very best decisions that we can make in a moment like that is to do the next right thing. That's exactly what Joseph and Mary did. They went to Bethlehem because it was the right thing to do. And because they did, prophecy was fulfilled. Here's my point. That when you're going through difficult moments, moments that don't make a lot of sense, moments that didn't turn out the way you planned for them to turn out, one of the best decisions that you can make is to begin to, to look for the what God wants to do in and through your life in that particular moment, rather than simply just dwelling on the fact that things didn't work out as planned. Now, I'm not suggesting there's not a place to, to grieve. When life doesn't work out as planned, it is crushing. And so, yes, grieving is important, and, and grieving is strange. It doesn't happen in a straight line. You know, there are days that you grieve, and then you feel like you're better, and then out of the blue, you'll have a day in which you grieve. And so, I'm not saying that you grieve, get over it, never grieve again. But what I am saying is this, is that you grieve for a period of time, but eventually you have to get to a place in which you're ready to look how God might want to work in you and through you exactly where you are in that moment. Because I believe there's so much more that God desires to do, so much more that he has planned for your life. See, there are things that he wants you to learn. There are conversations that he has planned for you to have. And there's an impact that he wants you to make right where you are. You say, how can you be so sure? I'm sure because every time I travel to Bethlehem, I'm reminded that God knows how to get me right where I need to be when I need to be there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning for our online worship service. If you find yourself going through a season in which it's really difficult and things are not turning out the way you planned, you can't make sense of it, you're just trying to hold on, well, we want to be with you in it. We are a church that will be praying for you. If you have a prayer request this morning, we'd encourage you to submit that online, or you can always email it to us later today or throughout this week. Know that we love you, appreciate you, and we'll be praying for you. And we'll also be excited to see all that God has planned for you in the future. May God bless you with a great week. It's funny how we sometimes think that big events always have to come with some massive announcement or launch party. Yeah, when we launched a new product for a tech or entertainment brand, it was almost always part of a million, multi-million dollar campaign. You know, like I think about the Curry brand that just launched. I mean, they came out with commercials, all this stuff, all the social media content. But what I just heard, though, is that God's campaigns or his plans really don't always work like that. Yes, he truly sees the big picture. He sees life in totally different way than us. He knows what will happen, not just today or tomorrow, but thousands of years from now. He knows the impact of every decision he has planned that I cannot come close to understanding. I'm super grateful that we have a God who gets us better than we get ourselves. I'm thankful there's a God who loved us so much that he sent his only son, even in a barn, that whoever believes in him will not die, but have everlasting life. Thanks again for listening to Intersections Podcast. As always, if you need prayer or have questions, hit us up at podcast at campbellchurch.org. Until next time, peace. <laughs>